Fight Strike number four. Fight Night 147 wrap-up and Fight Night 148 preview. I'm Jason. I'm Kevin. And we are back for another episode. Some interesting stuff has happened this week. Uh, we'll take a look at that and then we'll get into telling you who's going to win this coming uh, weekend. But first, the big news of the day breaking just today as we record this is TJ Dillashaw tests positive for something. And after his January fight with uh, Saheda, and he relinquishes his Bantamweight belt. Yeah, um, definitely the big news of the day. Um, we don't know what it is that he tested positive for yet. Um, my take, like <clears throat> I explained on an earlier episode, is I, I, it's, to me it's not really a big deal if fighters or any athlete are on performing hands, performing in enha- performance enhancing drugs. If I can even say it, I'm just going to stick with PEDs. Um, it's not a big deal to me because I, I, I think it gives athletes maybe an edge, but I, I think that there's maybe a perception about it that it gives an athlete an advantage or gives them an ability that they otherwise wouldn't have. I think it just makes them, you know, maybe a little better, a little stronger, a little faster. Um, maybe the ability to compete a little longer. And in this particular instance, um, whatever TJ took, kind of tongue-in-cheek, I'm saying, was it really even performance-enhancing? I mean, he just lost to a smaller fighter in 32 seconds. Mm -hmm. So I don't... (laughs) How much are you going to ding him for that? I think that loss is ding enough. And um, the bigger deal to me is him dropping down to get a second belt anyways. I mean, since Connor went up to the light, uh, lightweight division when he was the featherweight champ and became champ champ, um, we're kind of seeing, you know, these fights happen with more frequency. Um, Amanda Nunes, uh, was the first woman to do it. Uh, Daniel Cormier, the second male to do it. And then, um, PJ, uh, I think if I'm correctly, he's the fourth to try. Cause I know, BJ Penn, when he was a lightweight champion, went up to fight George St. Pierre as a welterweight champion. So my point is traditionally when you have these belts where someone could, could or these matches where someone could potentially become a double champ, it's typically somebody going up and challenging, not going down and challenging. So that just was odd to me. Um, and like I said, a bigger deal than him taking the PEDs in the first place. No, I agree. Um, no, I want to see. I really want to see what he comes back positive for, though. I mean, he, he, uh, you know, like you said, was it, was it really performance enhancing? Seeing as how he lost that fight, I think uh, in that fight uh, he had a like a twenty nine pound weight cut. I think for mm-hmm. a guy that small, that is just. I think it was ridiculous to think that he really even had a chance, even though he's supposedly the bigger fighter uh, mm-hmm. to cut that. I mean, that's like what 20% of your body weight or something at that size. So uh, I, th- I think that was more of a factor uh, than, than anything else. in, in that fight and I, I would not be surprised. In fact, I'd be surprised if it was, uh, if they came back saying it was something other than uh, some type of uh, tainted supplement as uh, I saw something where it was showing what he was eating and it was like to make the weight he was eating like a 
some broccoli and a handful of supplements, like a whole bunch of supplements. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to probably come back and find something was in those. And uh, like I kind of mentioned, uh, I think uh, an episode or so ago with John Jones, you know, with all these supplements, these fighters get back, uh, you know, popping positive for supposedly tainted supplements. Why, why are you even taking those? Like I wouldn't even be taking a Flintstones vitamin, like I said before. So, right. I guess, you know, if you're doing that major of a weight cut, you're going to need to do uh, something. You're probably going to need to supplement because you're you're just not. You're really fasting, so your body needs uh, some type of supplementation to to kind of make up the difference. Um, but uh, I, I don't think we're you know, we're going to be surprised. My my money on this one is uh, you're going to come back as tainted supplement. Um, of course, his reputation is going to be tainted forever um, on this. You know what what was he doing? Uh, but you know it's sad to see he's, he's got a reputation of being a stand-up guy and now he comes back from this and this is just going to overshadow him for uh, a long time to come i was looking at twitter today and already all the haters are out you know everybody's mm-hmm. you know, condemning him and you know saying he's a dirty fighter well let's let's wait till it really comes out find out what maybe it was uh you know dick enhancement pills or something right <laughs> so you know we don't know so um uh, and, and I think I'm consistent on this. I don't anybody pause positive. I want to see what it is. Um, and, and the way they've got this stuff nowadays, the USADA testing, I mean, they can they can find if you were in the same room as, you know, a, an Advil. <laughs> so, right. it, you know, anything that that you uh, that you, you brushed a doorknob, it seems like um, that this stuff, this testing is so good nowadays. I don't see how fighters really think that they can get away with it, it, it anymore. I mean, so many guys are popping positive um, that it, it. I am inclined to believe that it, it is some. I don't think these guys can really be that stupid. They got to know these tests are, are that are that strict. They're gonna they're gonna find it if you're on something. Yeah, I agree. And in, in- Another point is come back to in whether it's UFC or NFL um, or, or any major sport where somebody tests positive. Um, it's I think just the general public's assumption that oh it must be steroids or you know it's it's it, and there's a, a ton of banned substances and a lot of stuff that you can even get from you know legal supplements that are just aren't you know legal quote unquote in that particular sport that are banned. So, um, <clears throat> it could be, you know, even something that he took incidentally attained in supplement, like you said, um, or, you know, it could be just, you know, a supplement that's otherwise legal. Um, it's just, you know, banned in the UFC. And I honestly, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do a little search here of the, uh, um, supplements that get in a list of what's banned, um, by USADA, and um, I'm sure if I did a little digging, I could um, pull it up. Um, but you know, I guarantee it's 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 a long list of uh, you know chemicals and co- and uh, you know compounds and everything that we can't even pronounce. And you know, a, a lot of it, you, you know, what does it what does it even really do? 
Mm-hmm. You know, so, I mean, it's just, to me, I, I, I think it's a good thing, you know, having the image of cleaning up the sport and, you know, not having these guys juiced out of their minds and fighting. Although, like I said, I not completely opposed to that. Um, <laughs> when they did that in Pride, those are some of the most, you know, uh, romanticized fights in, you know, MMA history. And, you know, it was a, a, a cool time to be an mm-hmm. MMA fan. But, um, you know, it's if you're going to go the route of, you know, being, um, you know, cleaning up the sport and having that image and, you know, the fighters, you know, steroids and everything, I think it's a good thing. But again, I think it's maybe a little bit overkill because a lot of this stuff, you know, I, I don't know. But then again, I'm not the expert. <laughs> so <laughs> who knows? Yeah. That's why I, I try to keep my position simple on it. And I'm like, I, I don't really care. You know, to, to me, I'm more bummed out that these guys get popped and then they're suspended for six months to a year or two years or whatever, and they're out of competition. Mm-hmm. All right. So, well, the next news uh, that came out last week, uh, last weekend, was a kind of, I think, surprise announcement or surprise Bisbing anyway. Michael Bisbing being uh, inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, I I like uh, the way that Bisbing's career kind of ended in that he, you know, him winning uh, middleweight championship. He went out on two lo- losses. He lost to GSP, and then he took a fight. Um, a lot of people think too soon against uh, Kelvin Gastelum and, and got KO'd and um, hung it up after that. But, I mean, prior to that, I liked how it, it was almost like a storybook ending if you will, to his career that he, you know, had been kind of a, a journeyman or gatekeeper middleweight fighter for the majority of his year. He'd string together a couple of wins. And then, you know, when it seemed like he was in a number one contender fight, he'd, he'd drop that decision. But, you know, he took that fight against Luke Rockhold on short notice. He made the most of it. And, mm-hmm. he, you know, it's just won the championship. And like I said, I, I, I think it's kind of a cool storybook ending to his career, you know, getting that belt getting that UFC gold, and I think, you know, well-deserved. He did, um, you know, prior <clears throat> to Conor McGregor, um, you know, Bisbing was it for the European fighters and the UK fighters. Um, he was the number one draw, and mm-hmm. he, you know, also um, kind of in the same, cut from the same cloth of the trash talking and uh, the pre-hype fight and how he built up a fight. So um, congrats, and, you know, I think it's well-deserved. Yeah, I agree. Congrats to to Michael Bisbing. I'm uh, looking at Twitter and I see Tim Sylvia has been throwing a lot of shade at him uh, because Tim Sylvia is not being in the Hall of Fame, which you know, a good case to be made. He should be, and uh, maybe he's kind of getting robbed for that. Uh, but it's not a good look on him throwing shade to, to Michael Bisbing, who really, uh, whatever uh, Tim Sylvia may or may not, uh, you know, be in the Hall of Fame or may not, de- uh, may or may not deserve it. I should say, uh, I, I think. Like I said, he really does deserve it, but um, him, his status does not take away from the status of Michael Bisbee, who I think uh, definitely deserves to be in it, who uh, maybe you could look at his record and say it was arguable uh, that he should, but in, in any case, he was definitely a great ambassador for the sport, uh, you know, kind of really brought uh, MMA, uh, UK MMA, I should say. Uh, to the four um, and 
and uh, had, like I said, had, had a great so uh, great career, uh, great ending. I think uh, coming coming at the end of his career to uh, near the end to be uh, the middleweight champion, and uh, so good good on him. Good to Michael Bisping. Good to see uh, a guy like that get in. Um, mm-hmm. Next thing before we get to the uh, review of Fight Night 147. Uh, another little bit of news. ESPN Plus is going to be the exclusive distributor of UFC pay-per-views through 2025. Yeah, that's uh, that another you know bit of uh, news that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, it looks like uh, US uh, or UFC re-upped their contract with uh, or you know added to their contract with uh, ESPN Plus, extended their contract. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> and um, it went even further and uh, said that they're going to be the exclusive distributor of the UFC pay-per-views, which um, it's kind of odd to me. I don't, I guess one, I don't care because I'm subscribing to ESPN plus um, it's not, um, you know, really, what is it? Five bucks a month or whatever mm-hmm. to subscribe. You're still going to have to buy the pay-per-views. So it's kind of, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But then again, you know, if there just seems something a little off-putting to me that you have to subscribe to a service to be able to purchase another service or another <laughs> event. Um, <clears throat> I I kind of always thought, and I've, I've kicked around the idea with a, a couple of friends, that the UFC should go the same route that the WWE uh, has gone where they have their own um, streaming service, the WWE Network, and um, you subscribe to that, and all the pay-per-view events are included within the subscription fee. So you just, for all intents and purposes, if you're a member, your subscriber, you get free pay-per-views, which um, friends and I kicking around the idea, you know, and just some simple math, you know, if I purchase two, three UFC pay-per-views per year, um, what's that now? It's $60 a pop, $65 a pop, mm-hmm. $180, $195. So if, you know, you charge me, I, I'd pay $15, $20 a month for the UFC streaming service, especially if they included all the pay-per-views. And now, you know, if I'm paying $20 a month for the UFC streaming service, you're getting 240 out of me. I don't know how that translates across, mm-hmm. you know, uh, different, uh, you know, target audiences and, mm-hmm. uh, it would seem to make sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not in UFC marketing, <laughs> probably <laughs> rightfully so. But like I said, there's just something that doesn't quite sit right to me where there's there's only one place where you can get these pay-per-views from. And oh, by the way, if you want to do that, you have to buy a service to do it. Yeah. Well, and to me, I don't know if it's going to be a big change. But I just think it's kind of interesting how uh, deep they're kind of getting in in bed with ESPN uh, to make this uh, partnership like this. So uh, you got to ESPN has kind of been struggling for a while. Uh, They've been losing millions of subscribers uh, through cord cutters and and people like that. So it's kind of interesting to see them lock in a deal like this uh, to me uh, with the UFC. So uh, just a tidbit there. I thought it was interesting. Uh, So, Let's uh, get on to uh, looking looking what happened back uh, this last week when with UFC Fight Night. Our picks. Uh, I went two and two, and Kevin went one and three. 
So um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> all going on with that. All all is back to normal with uh, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. I mean, we we're riding high off that last where we, where were we both three and one. Uh, we thought we had the uh, we had the formula down and uh, give us a week and we come crashing back to earth. Yeah. So uh, the first up was Wood versus Quinones. And the result on that was a uh, wood by submission in round two. Yeah, and this whole card, honestly, and in, in, you know, particularly the four fights that we covered, um, I, th- I thought it was a pretty good card. I, you know, I was entertained. There's not a really um, big names on this. A lot of uh, European and UK fighters, but um, I, you know, I thought it was a great card. This, you know, the the first fight kicking off that um, we covered. Um, Quinones getting the takedown. There's some nice action. Cool reversal by Wood that I don't know that I've ever really seen. It was kind of um, Quinones was on the top. Wood kind of did like a little hip heist misdirection using Quinones's weight against him and um, was able to do like a little kind of dump move and get back to his feet. Um, uh, Quinones uh, slips and uh, Wood uh, gets a is working for kind of like a Darce choke. Um, ends the uh, uh, round with a takedown, and then in round two, about halfway through, a nice takedown by Wood. He got on the back, and he just sunk in that choke deep. Um, so exactly as you predicted it as a round two stoppage, um, I predicted that uh, Wood would get the finish, and um, we were both right on that one, and that was my uh, lone uh, correct prediction for the night. Yeah. I, I was uh, pleasantly, um, well, I was pleased with, uh, with my right on the button prediction. They don't come come that specific. <laughs> when, I, when I go that specific, they don't often turn out um, that way. But yeah, the, the getting getting in the, uh, the round two, taking the back of Cunonia's, uh, get the rear naked chokehold. Um, yeah, good good tap, good good win for Wood. All right. Oh, yeah. So uh, next on the night was Ozdemir versus Reyes. On this one, maybe uh, some controversy on the win. So with this split decision win? Um, you know, maybe I did have uh, Ozdemir winning it uh, when I watched it um, and I rewatched it. To me, you know, this kind of had the look and the feel of a really close like sparring match. Um, it didn't seem like, I mean, the, the fighters are in there throwing, it, it didn't seem like either fighter really threw caution to the wind and was, you know, going all out to get that finish. And, and that's what I, in fact, Demir would come out guns a blazing and he'd get a first round stoppage. And that just wasn't the case. Like I said, it had really more of a feel like a, you know, a sparring match. Um, one thing I noticed, and I think that may contribute to, um, people feeling that Uzdemir got robbed is the commentators really seem to favor him. Um, if you look at the statistics, the fight stats, they're they're pretty close. I mean, it's you know almost a, a toss up as to um, you know or you know identical you know for the percentages of uh, strikes landed, um, and it just seemed like they were really praising Uzdemir even, you know, with small little exchanges or, you know, 
Reyes would land something, and you know they he'd land a solid shot, and they wouldn't say, "Oh yeah, you know, great shot." But what they'd comment on was, "Oh yeah, you know, look at you know Vulcan got that counter in right there," and you know it wasn't even any more significant of a strike than uh, Reyes had. There was one part of the fight um, that I I rewatched and I um, noted where. Um, Reyes was getting the better of the striking with Uzdemir. And um, prior to that, they were talking about, you know, how, how great Uzdemir was doing. And, oh, look at the kick he landed. Look at the punch that he landed. Um, Reyes started getting the better of the action. And they started talking about uh, the corner yelling out for the cheese grater and how they figured that meant something of, you know, they're up on the cage, kind of like rub the guy against the cage. And then they went on for about a minute talking about, oh, yeah, you know, um, uh, Joe Daddy Stevens, he used to drag people across the cage when he did a takedown or whatever. And I'm like, you guys are just all over Uzdemir when, you know, he was getting the better of a sparring match, um, slightly getting the better of a sparring match. And now that Reyes is doing it, you're just, I mean, you're talking about a cheese grater. It was, was just bizarre to me. But, you know, like I said, I, I felt that Uzdemir won. I don't think it's highway robbery. I think he edged out a decision um, in a in a, a sparring match. If I was if I was going to grade it, I, I would say that he won. He he should have won the split decision um, because I think it was a close enough fight to be a split decision. However, I, I don't think you can be all that upset with uh, Reyes getting the nod. Yeah, yeah. When I when I was watching this, I was kind of surprised uh, afterwards when I uh, saw some people saying it was they thought it was really controversial i i had it when i was uh watching it i had reyes winning it in my eyes uh I, yeah like i said I, it was close i agree with that it was close i understand the split decision um but you know, either way to me this this particular fight didn't really grab me and i saw i don't know it's just they they weren't really um i don't know i just didn't feel the energy in this fight maybe that's that's how i'm trying to put it um, yeah. I thought it was kind of like Lester, you know, they, they both guys did some stuff. Um, I don't think any guy was really hurt. Um, and I don't think either one was really in danger, uh, during the fight. That's just how I saw it anyway. Um, uh, Reyes, you know, went in there to me, got some business done, took the win. Uh, I heard some, some talk about uh, him wanting John Jones, I think. And, um, I don't see that at all. I mean, I, I don't think he's he's really uh, at, at at any could be considered at any level right right now to be, <clears throat> to be close in line for that one. No, I think um, I, I do honestly like looking at the division though. I think he's one win away, probably one good convincing win away from another <clears throat> a top opponent shot just for one the lack of competition or you know the lack of people that john has faced in the top mm -hmm. 10 and there's he is one of the stars uh, one of the stars um i i heard something and maybe you know uh reyes and johnny walker being matched mm -hmm. up i think santos is getting the next shot um at the title um or the next shot at uh john but yeah it was it was a little confusing to me uh, at the end, he's saying that he doesn't take call people out, but you know, John Jones, I'm coming for you. I, I kind of took that to mean, you know, he's he's you know, watch out because he's 
he's breathing down your he's neck. He's, you know, he's 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 got you in his sights, and you know, he's he's aiming to get in the cage with yeah. you. You know, that's it's it's gonna happen, uh, type of thing. But yeah, I um I didn't necessarily take it as a um something that I think we're seeing more and more often, he where runs. guys are like, oh, I you know, I I should get the next title anybody unless it's for you know the the belt type of deal i didn't it didn't come off that way to me yeah i would like to see reyes and walker uh johnny walker i I would i think that would be a good one i think walker wins that fight and then goes on for another top 10 and then uh uh, or get you know a good top 10 fight and then maybe uh the shot after that i think he did after after reyes is i don't know i consider it kind of a lackluster performance you know, you, you you go three rounds, you get a split decision. That's not really you're not making yourself a case that that you're coming for John Jones, right? Yeah. So, all right. Agreed. After that, um, we got to Leon Edwards and Gunnar Nelson. Yeah, this one to me, watching and um, rewatching, I really think. In my opinion, scoring it, I think Edwards won all three rounds. Um, I think, at the very least, there's a strong argument for him taking all three rounds. Um, I was a little confused on the split decision. Um, I thought there'd be a larger gap in um, this the skill set for for grappling between Leon Edwards and Gunner. I thought Gunner would, you know, that that'd be his bread and butter in this fight. And um, as the announcers uh, said during the fight that a lot of people thought once it hit the ground, uh, oh, watch out because that's, you know, <clears throat> um, Leon's not going to have an answer uh, for the grappling. But it turns out that wasn't the case. Um, Edwards actually showed some strong grappling and some competent grappling in this match and that, you know, he was able to hang with and get the better of um, Gunner. I think really the only... Um, definitely the biggest moment, maybe the only shining moment for Gunner in this fight was within the last um, part of round three where he did get the top or he did get the takedown. He got top control and he got the mount. But, um, you know, that was just a case of a little too late, uh, too little, too late. And um, yeah, Edwards, I, you know, I thought it was a entertaining fight and a, a really good win for Edwards. Yeah. I was really impressed with Edwards on this. Uh, it didn't go the way I thought would go at all. We both picked Nelson. Uh, I thought the grappling, like you said, was going to win the day. But um, the the grappling from Edwards really, uh, really surprised me. Uh, he came out looking really good in that. I had him win in all three rounds uh, also. I, I thought uh, that, to me, it, w- it was clear. So I was kind of surprised with the result. Um, but, you know, with the win, watching the win, I was like, he, to me, he dominated pretty much the whole fight. Um, and, uh, kind of, uh, disappointing that Gunner didn't have any answer for him, really. Yeah, it was one of those, to me, that, I, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> it, it comes up sometimes in MMA fights where, uh, you wonder, was it really one opponent just kind of like throwing the other the other guy off, the other fighter off, and you know really dominating or imposing his will, or was it the other guy just kind of having an off night and you know not being able to really get anything going, or was it a combination of the both? And I, I that's I think this is a candidate for you know one of those type of fights. You know, was Edwards you know really that good? 
Um, was it, you know, Gunner was just, you know, had an off night, not able to get anything going in the grappling game, or was it a combination of both? And um, I think in a lot of the, you know, the cases, you can argue it one way or, or another, just depending on, you know, who you like more as a fighter or, you know, whatever, whoever you you bet on. But um, I think in most in- instances, it's, it's at least a little bit of both. I thought Edwards, um, I think think that Edwards had the grappling game that he did and I think uh, Gunner was a little taken aback by that and you know like oh crap I thought this would be a little easier I thought you know I kind of had my way and you know that's not the case so I think that I think Edwards being as good as he was in the grappling game through Gunner through loop and um, you know he's he's of course we both thought that he had the advantage standing and um you know, it just kind of, you know, he, he won that fight. And it was, a, like I said, a great showing for Edwards, I thought. Yeah. All right. Well, the main event of the night was Darren Till versus George Masvidal. And we both picked Till. And I thought that was a good pick at the beginning of the fight. You have Till coming out uh, after, after taking a, a, a low blow. Uh, they restart the fight right at the beginning, and he kind of knocks down Masvidal. And I, I was thinking, well, that decision uh, prediction that we both had was not going to go that way, but I thought Till was going to get it. That turned out not to be the case. Yeah, Masvidal really showed up for this fight. This is <clears throat> this is another one, um, uh, one of the reasons I think that we both or at least took into consideration when picking Till. Um, was the layoff that Masvidal had, um, and he hadn't fought, I, I believe, since November of 2017, or at least like 2017. It was an over over a year, anyways. That you know he he was inactive. Um, but yeah, it's an odd start to the fight. It's not often. I don't think I've ever seen a fight start off with an inadvertent dick kick. So that was just mm-hmm. crazy right there. And then <laughs> to come off after you know Till took some time to recover, and then first punch he throws drops Masvidal you're like oh crap you know that's <laughs> it's going to be a short night but you know Masvidal weathered the storm um rather that first round he said that it took him a little bit to get Till's timing down and then threw that massive overhand left and just you know hit him with the hammer of Thor and knocked him unconscious um that was that was uh I think an early candidate for knockout of the year um, definitely impressive, and uh, Masvidal. Um, a lot of talk now that I've seen that you know, well, he should be next for the title. Um, I didn't think that would be the case, and I, I didn't, you know. Granted, it was an impressive win. I thought there was, you know, Masvidal with that win was maybe, you know, in the number one contender fight. <clears throat> he wins that. He's fighting for a title. Uh, Dana White shut that down. He said the next, you know, f- title fight is going to be Colby Covington and um, Usman. So I, I am not sure who they're going to match Masvidal up with. Um, but you know, I, I think the next fight that he has is a number one contender fight. Um, one of the prospects, uh, because of what happened in the back, is Leon Edwards. Um, Edwards yelling at uh, Masvidal when Masvidal was doing his interview. Masvidal walking over saying, say it to my face, and then hitting him with the quote, uh, three-piece and a soda. Um, what did you think of that? <laughs> yeah, I thought that was, that was pretty. Uh, I, I liked this description. And, and the first one I 
uh, first saw that on Twitter, uh, I was like, well, that's kind of a jerk move. And then um, kind of seeing more into it, uh, I, I don't like it still, but I can't say as I blame them too much. So, you know, right. they're, they're going to get, uh, I, I don't know if they've handed down punishment yet, but I think they're probably going to get some type of fine at least. And, uh, and uh, you know, it, it, Ben Askren uh, really seems to want to fight Masvidal next. And uh, he, he believes that Masvidal is dodging him. And, and so he, he started something with uh, Edwards to, to get, get that as the next fight. So um, it, it would be an interesting matchup. I, I'd like to I, I'd take either one of those, I, I think, uh, watching uh, Edwards or uh, Askren uh, fight I Masvidal I, next. And so I did hear, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, mistaken or, or I read, that um, nothing's going to happen because in London there is no athletic commission, so it's really up to the uh-huh. UFC what happens. And Dana mm-hmm. White said that he's not going to punish either fighter. He blames <laughs> his staff. Um, they should know better when you know there's people who you know, fighters have just fought, and you know they're walking backstage, mm-hmm. emotions are running high, mm-hmm. um, they're, they're you know they're jacked up and you know talking a little bit of trash. And he said, especially with a guy, because Masvidal is that guy, you know, um, I think it's, I think it's a little uh, thematic of what's going on where I guess, you know, post Conor McGregor era or, you know, during the Conor McGregor era, I think a lot of fighters took and looked at what Conor did and instead of incorporating it into their own personality, just kind of said, well, I get, took it at face value, I guess. And was like, I got to be brash and I got to talk a lot of trash and win fights. And that's how I'm going to, you know, move up quicker and make a lot of money. Um, and I don't know, maybe that is who Edwards is. But just, you know, um, from my perspective, at least right now, that's it kind of seemed to me that's what happened there is, you know, uh, how am I going to get that? You know, how am I going to get a a fight against a higher ranked opponent. How am I going to get that number one contender fighter, whatever? Well, you know, I win and then just, you know, start talking trash. And as he showed, uh, Jorge Masvidal is the wrong guy to do that to mm-hmm. because he'll, yeah. <laughs> he'll hit yeah. you with a three piece he'll and a it. soda. <laughs> and this is where I think what a criticism I have of Dana White. I don't, uh, I, I don't, I'm not one to, to go in for a lot of criticism of Dana White just because too many people do it. Um, but it's in this easy, particular though. case, yeah, it is, um, is, you know, he, he's got this thing where he says, Hey, y'all for fighters are professionals. And, and I've seen him, you know, say these things make the fight sport look bad. But then if you get something like this, where he thinks he can get some good PR out of it, he lets it slide. So, um, it, it's hard to tell in advance, which, you know, when you see a situation like this, which way he's going to fall, maybe it's just whatever mood he's in that day. But uh, yeah, to me, it doesn't seem to be consistent. I agree with you. It's mm-hmm. it's definitely shifting sands with um with with Dana White and uh you, you know I don't know. I mean, I I, I guess it just kind of I agree that you know it it depends on what you know type of fight it's going to be. I mean, you can go back to Connor throwing the dolly at the bus, which at the time was mm-hmm. the most disgusting thing that Dana White had ever seen and had ever mm-hmm. happened at any UFC event ever that Dana White had been there. And then when they put together the uh, Khabib and uh, Connor fight, they're playing that mm-hmm. nonstop for the promo. 
you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like I said, it's it's easy to you know kind of um, not yeah. pick on, but to criticize Dana White, and you know it's <laughs> tough decisions mm-hmm. that he's making. But I I think mm-hmm. with a lot of these, um, it, I, I go back to you know put just standard language in a contract that you know if you get in a physical altercation at a press conference or on stage you know it's a three month suspension or you know whatever the case may be you know you probably have to tailor it a little differently if it's in a lead up to a fight uh you'd have to think about you know uh, do i want to suspend someone you know they're going to fight in a week and then we have to scramble to figure out what we're going to do for that promotion or, or we're going to treat that differently than we're going to treat like a, a post-fight altercation, you know. But just like putting, you get in a post-fight altercation, you're suspended automatically for two months. Um, like I said, they I don't think they'd have to worry about that, or they if they were back in the states because an athletic commission would typically hand down those suspensions and fines and whatever the punishment may be. But you know that it's it's almost like common law run amok you know what happened with the last guy or how long are we going to let somebody not defend a title or hold up a division um you know because they're going to chase another belt or they're going to do something else and i think if you just put standard language in a contract and you get some consistency then we don't have to wonder every single time is dana white doing this just because he likes jorge masvidal if ben Askren would have done this which you know would he be suspended is it going to depend on which fighter does what and what Dana's reaction is going to be because he likes the guy or he doesn't like the guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's put that one to bed. Uh, fight night 147, some uh, entertaining fights there. Let's hope that coming up this week, uh, we'll see some more. So let's take a look forward for UFC fight night 148 in Nashville. So we're going to look at six fights uh, for this. That we're going to use our powers of prognostication. So we're going to try on, at least. We're going to try. <laughs> so first on the night is Macy Barber against JJ Aldrich. Macy Barber, uh, fighter coming up, who Dana White says calls her, texts her, texts calls Dana, texts Dana. Um, tells Dana every time she sees him that she's going to be bigger than Ronda Rousey. She wants to be bigger than Conor McGregor. She's the next star. And, you know, so far, her, her first fight in the UFC, um, she looked the part. Um, she's got, the, you know, the confidence. Um, she's from Colorado, so that's always a plus. And um, I, I think that uh, Macy Barber is going to win this one, um, I think, via ground and pound. I think she's just got that that edge, that kind of chip on her shoulder. Um, Aldrich is a little more of a seasoned and experienced fighter, um, maybe a little more refined, but I think that uh, just the athleticism of Barber, um, she's going to go in there, she's going to be able to dictate where the fight takes place. I think it's likely that she gets her to the ground, and um, she's got some vicious, she showed in her first UFC fight, some vicious, vicious ground and pound, um, and I think that, she wins this uh, via TKO. Uh, one thing to take into consideration, though, is she is moving up from straw weight to uh, flyweight pounds uh, to fight at 125. So we'll see if what, if anything, that you know has an effect on her. And um, 
if uh, Aldridge is able to take, you know, use her experience and, um, uh, uh, you know, her, her, her weight advantage. Um, I, I think she's going to be a little bit bigger of a fighter, and if she's going to be able to uh, keep Barbara at bay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like this. I, I think I'm going to pick uh, on this one. I'm going to pick Barbara as well. <clears throat> um, not not like I think. I definitely no. It, it kind of seems like they're setting this fight up. You got kind of a journeyman fighter in uh, in Aldrich and. Uh, somebody who, uh, in in her wins, she tends to win by decision, and um, she's got a couple uh, couple KOs, no submission wins. Um, you know, her last five, uh, she's four and one. So um, she she's uh, had what her last four fights in the UFC. So she's got a little bit more experience there than uh, than Barbara, but I, I think she's the sacrificial lamb for. Uh, for Barbara, I think this is this this kind of is a uh, a stepping stone fight for her that the UFC put together, uh, mm-hmm. and and uh, see if she can take this one, move up, and uh, take this fight, and see if they can start building her reputation, um, and and go from there. I, I agree, and, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's exactly right. It does definitely have that feel of a stepping stone fight, and mm-hmm. um, you know, getting Barber, you know, a step up in competition, uh, but not completely throwing her to the wolves, or you know, mm-hmm. having her run the gauntlet yet, um, but getting her that you know tough journeyman fighter mm-hmm. uh, to get a little more uh, octagon, and then you know, depending on the result, you know, see what's next. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, they get criticized a lot for doing that with fighters, but I think that's the right way to do it. I mean, if you see someone as a potential superstar, but they're a little green, why are you going to throw them to, you know, a top 10, a top five fighter right away? You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, and, and no matter who it is, you, you'd think, uh, yeah, they gotta, you gotta prove themselves. You got to prove, even if you you think, you know, they're coming out, you know, she's got, uh, Barbara's got one UFC fight so far. Okay. Yeah. She's, she's won. She's got a good victory there. It was a TKO win, but that doesn't mean that you're ready for a, you know, number eight fight or number five fight or something like that. Um, so even though she looks flashy, she might be the next big thing. Okay. Now it's time for the next, the next journeyman, you know, put her up another one. So I, I don't have a problem with it in this case. So, right. Um, all right, so after that on the night, we're looking at Luis Pena and Steven Peterson. I want to point out um, that Pena might have my new favorite nickname for a fighter. Uh-huh. Pena, the violent Bob Ross. I'm sorry, Luis <laughs> Pena, the violent Bob Ross. I just I like that. love that juxtaposition. It it, um, it it doesn't have the same ring as the the Mexicutioner, my all time right. favorite Joey Beltran, right. all time favorite nickname. Um, but it does it does paint a picture. But I'm yeah, bummed. no, this the Mexicutioner <laughs> definitely rolls out of the off the tongue a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I I do like the uh, the image that that gives you the violent Bob Ross. <laughs> the violent Bob Ross, that's a good. One. I'm. The, I think the biggest thing in this fight is uh, Luis Pena is cutting down to 145 pounds. Um, he's six foot three at 155. He's cutting down to 145. Um, 
I he's not a big bulky guy. He's obviously um, tall and uh, lanky. Uh, but I just I don't picture this being an easy or <laughs> I don't picture this being anything but a difficult weight cut for him um, if he makes 145 at all. Um, and if he does, um, even if he doesn't, just attempting to get down to 145 and to lose that weight, I think that he's come fight night. Um, there's not going to be a whole lot in the tank left for him. Um, uh, Peterson is kind of a grinder type fighter. Um, and I think that it's even though uh, Luis Pena's favorite in this fight, um, I'm going to go with Peterson. Um, and. I'm going to say decision, although I wouldn't be surprised if uh gas is in this and, um, you know, ends up if, you know, doesn't get finished, kind of, you know, like looks for a way out almost because I, like I said, I hate to, I hate to pick a fight purely based off of a weight cut, but I just, um, unless, <laughs> until I'm proven wrong, I just don't see this this cut going well for Pena at all. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I am not going to bet on a guy who's six, three and cutting down to one forty five. I mean that to me, that's ridiculous. Um, I, I don't see how you're going to have, have any, any energy to store in your body. If you're going down that big, I uh, don't like it. Don't like it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to buy it. So uh, I am, I'm going with Peterson and I will even venture to say I am, even though Peterson uh, tends to, um, he has a fair amount of wins by decision. Um, he does. Uh, I, I'm going to say he's going to go with the stoppage. I'm, I'm going to predict a stoppage. Uh, let's see. Second or third round. Let's see. What should, should I be bold? I, I'm going to go with a late second round stoppage. All right. I think. I, I think. I, I just don't think there's going to be enough uh, in the tank uh, for a guy who's six three who's cutting down that much. I agree, and I um, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this was this was also a stoppage. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to, I guess, invest a little bit of the benefit of a doubt in, in Pena. Um, he is a tough fighter. He does train at a um, AKA. Mm -hmm. So he's got those, you know, mm -hmm. coaches and experience with, you know, great training yeah. partners. Like, I, I'm not mm -hmm. sure who he rolls with, but, you know, Cormier's there, yeah. you know, Velasquez is there, uh, Luke Rockhold, um, mm -hmm. Habib. So, I mean, he's at least a round um, type of UFC talent. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if he was able to gut out, um, you know, uh, mm -hmm. getting to a decision loss. Mm -hmm. I guess, but, um, yeah. yeah, I just, I don't, I don't, yeah. <laughs> unless he can, he can land something early, um, on Peterson and, and get an early stoppage himself and finish Peterson. Yeah. Like, I, I, I just don't see, like I said, I, I don't see that happening though. Cause Peterson is, is a grinder. And I, I think that's what he's going to do is just grind out a, a, a decision. Uh, yeah. I, I'd be surprised if, uh, Peterson has, you know, enough to, in the tank after that weight cut. Yeah. And I, and I think, uh, my, uh, my perception on this probably being shaded by TJ Dillashaw. We were just talking about that. Um, mm -hmm. you know, that, that 29 
pound weight cut he did. You know, a guy again who's six three, who's cutting that. That's that's why I don't like. That. I don't like big fighters who cut down and go down anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, if, if you're that big, you know, I, I myself, I'm six two. I could never imagine myself getting down. And, and even when I was in my younger days, uh, when I was in my uh, late twenties, and I, I was skinny as, as a rod. Um, and, uh, when I went in, in the service, I came out weighing 155, um, mm-hmm. out of boot camp. I remember I went in at 143, came out of boot camp at 155 and I can never imagine. Yeah. I, I was just so skinny. I mean, everybody said it. I was just, cause I was, I was just, you know, basically kind of a, a late teenager and, um, and and he's he's not. I just can't imagine somebody being that tall, uh, an inch taller than me, and getting down that. I don't don't see how that works. The body physics just aren't there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it's 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 sucking a lot of water, um, which I, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. If you ever, uh, you know, if <laughs> you've ever heard Joe Rogan's uh, position on on weight cutting, I tend to fall. Mm-hmm along the same line so they you know i mm. i don't like it um i don't think it's healthy i, I think it, and <laughs> in some ways it is a little bit of you know i i think i would consider it more cheating than you know taking um you know something from gnc some kind mm-hmm. of you know tainted supplement um because i mean if you, if you got a guy who's we're not we're not talking about you know like a big bodybuilder here but even you know it's it's a huge advantage being six foot three and if you're yeah. able to suck a lot of water out and weigh in at 145 and then come fight night, let's just say, you know, hypothetically perfect world, you're back up to like 160 something and you're six foot three and you're fighting somebody who's, you know, five, eight and maybe weighing in around like 150, 150. I mean, that's, you know, an advantage right there. So, um, <laughs> each case is different. Each, you know, fighter's body is different body type. But I, you know, I've, I've never been a fan of who can get the most dehydrated or how dehydrated can you get, how low can you drop, and then, you know, um, yeah. you, you have a day and a half to gain that water weight back. And um, it, it's, it's not healthy, and um, mm. I, I think you get, you're seeing a little bit, I think, of a trend. with Anthony Smith, for example, in his John Jones fight, um, there's a guy who said, I'm sick of, you know, sucking uh, all that weight and getting down to middleweight. I'm going to fight it more closer to my natural weight and I'm going to fight the light heavies. I'm going to be able to, you know, eat better. Uh, I'm not going to have to worry about going into fight week and, you know, um, cutting a bunch of water weight. And I, hopefully you start to see more fighters do that. Unfortunately, I don't think you will. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I, I, I think it's too embedded in the sport. I will say that you, you, you even said if he makes weight and, I would almost make a prediction that he will not make weight. I would be more surprised if he makes weight. Um, I, I I just don't think a guy that makes makes that kind of weight, either that or he has a heart attack before he gets to the scale. Yeah. Um, all right, let's take a look at the next one. We're looking at uh, Jesse A. Formiga and Davison Figueredo. And this is a battle of flyweights um to if i'm not mistaken two top five uh flyweights um juicy a formiga uh ranked number three uh davidson figueredo uh currently number five um 
I think this is going to be a good matchup, and it's almost, almost um, a matchup of the uh, uh, kind of like a striker grappler classic matchup. Um, but uh, for Miga, uh, he's I consider more of a submission fighter. He's he's got a good bulk of his wins at submission. Um, he's really good at uh, getting the back. Um, and Figueredo, uh, he's coming up, even though he's the lower-ranked fighter, he's actually favored in this fight um, slightly. Um, in his last five, you know, he's had some pretty impressive wins, and I think he's actually faced, uh, in my opinion, the tougher t- competition um, in his last five um, fights than uh, uh, Formiga has. Uh, I'm going to go with Figueredo. I think he's able to... Uh, slightly surprise everybody I think even though he's favored I, I don't know that anyone's really picking him to get a TKO win but I, I think he's going to get a TKO, TKO win over Formiga um, Formiga like I said even though he's got about half of his wins at submission um, he, he tends to go to decision a lot too and um, I just don't see him being able to finish Figueredo. However, I think Figueredo's got the aggressiveness and the uh, pressure style to be able to figure to finish Formiga, who I don't think he's going to see as really posing, you know, a, a threat to him at the stand-up. So I think he's going to be um, even that more aggressive, you know, knowing that he's in there with somebody who's not likely to finish him, not likely to catch him with a shot and put him down. All right, so... Oh, this one's a tough one for me. So you're picking Figueredo. Figueredo. Okay. I think I'm going to have to split with you on this one. And I'm going to go with the experience, uh, the experienced fighter on this one. And mm-hmm. I'm going to say Formiga wins. Um, and I think this one will probably go to a decision. Decision win. All right. I'll, I'll keep it simple. I'll just leave it at that. I'm, I'm, I'm going with the feeling on this one. Decision win. Going with the gut. <laughs> going with the gut. I don't know how, the, how well that's done for me in the past, so we'll see. That's all, that's all I have to rely on. If I didn't have the gut to go on, I'd have nothing at all. <laughs> all right. Okay, so next on the evening is going to be John Magdesi versus Jesus Pinedo. Yeah, and this this fight, uh, both these guys, their their um, opponents that they're actually supposed to face at this event, um, both dropped out. So they put together uh, this uh, event, uh, Mac Jesse versus Pinedo. Um, I I'm picking Mac Desi. I just think um, he 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 is the favorite in this fight, and he's obviously faced a better competition. His last five fights had been in the UFC. This is only going to be the second fight in the UFC for um, Jesus Pinedo. Um, prior to that, he was fighting in, um, looks like, local fights in uh, Peru and uh, Ecuador. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I just think at this stage in his career, I, I think this is going to be good experience for him. But I think Mac Destiny is a, just, you know, a crafty veteran um, that he's going to get a lot from uh, Pinedo's going to get a lot from this fight. Um, I think it's going to be a good learning experience, but I think Mac Desi gets the decision on this. All right. I, uh, I'm, I, I hate doing this, but uh, I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. 
um, we, we, I know we split on the last one, but we've, we've been kind of consistent, I think, uh, on, on these lately. Uh, on for our picks, better but, or for worse. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I like, I like that this is, uh, kind of a short notice fight, you know, that, that I, 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 this is probably one of the ones I'm looking forward to most just because I, I like the uncertainty when these guys, uh, you know, they've both been training for somebody else. The fighters drop out and, uh, you know, now they've got, they've got, uh, you know, new uh, a new matchup that they they just get thrown into. Um, so you know they they don't get the time to prepare. This is all going to be kind of they're going to be fighting with their experience. You know, um, their their game plan isn't going to be what, what they w- uh, would rather have uh, kind of probably spent time doing. Um, so uh, and both of them. Um, seem to, uh, you know, the, their stoppages tend to come by TKO. Uh, so I think they're going to, um, uh, I'm, I'm looking for, for a good power fight, um, with, with these two and, uh, put them in there, go toe to toe, see who comes out on top. And I'm going, uh, on this one with, uh, uh, Mac Desi. Yeah, this and this definitely, like you were saying, definitely has the feel. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I like these fights too, where um, you know there's a new opponent, later notice, and you don't have. It's kind of you know harps back to Dana White's Ultimate Fighter. Do you want to be a fucking fighter? Type of deal. I mean, this is kind of takes all the coaching and the game plan and everything and throws it out the window, and you just go knuckle up and you see what you got versus somebody else who's doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Okay, uh, the co-main event of the evening is going to be Curtis Blaze and Justin Willis. I think this is definitely a step up in competition for Justin Willis. Um, Blades is a favorite in this fight. Um, a pretty heavy favorite. Big heavyweight. Um, Blades is... Um, He's uh, really good uh, grappling-wise. Okay stand-up. He's coming off of that loss against Francis Nagano, who's gone on a tear um, as of late uh, after uh, losing to Stipe um, and just <laughs> you know knocking guys. And I guess actually he fought uh, Derek Lewis, and we, we all know that was kind of a, a lackluster fight shall we say, but um, since losing to Derek Lewis, he TKO'd Curtis Blades in 45 seconds and then Kane Velasquez in 26. So no shame. Nagano's definitely a top guy. Um, but, uh, you know, Blades' bread and butter is his wrestling, and I think he's going to be able to control where this fight takes place. Um, he's a bigger fighter than Justin Willis. Justin's one of these guys. I don't know if he can make... Um, light heavyweight or not, but just looking at his body type, um, and he trains with Cormier, he kind of reminds me of Cormier, um, a, a guy who may be, you know, with a, some diet planning or, you know, what have you. And like I said, I know that's easier said than done, but it just, he just, I think that he could, you know, fight at a lighter weight and not have to cut a lot of water weight. You know, I think he could naturally get down to, you know, closer to light heavyweight. Um, so I think he's kind of fighting up. I think Blades is a bigger fighter. 
Uh, couple that with, uh, you know, Blade's wrestling ability and being able to dictate where this fight takes place, especially coming after coming off that uh, KO loss to Naganu. I think he's going to be more cautious. I think it's going to be a grappling heavy event, and I think uh, Blades is going to come away with the decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be uh, an interesting one. They both have wins over Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt is, uh, you know, one of the been one of the most powerful punchers in the UFC. Uh, so both of them can, can uh, probably take a punch. Um, and you've got with Blades, he's got a win over Alistair Overeem. That, um, and uh, so I, I, I like who Blades has fought in the past, um, and with his uh, experience, his size. I, I got to agree with you. I got to pick Blades on this one. Yeah, and like I said, I think, I think actually coming off that early TKO loss is going to play to his favor in this fight because I, I think he is going to be more cautious in that he's going to use his wrestling more to fight to his strength. I don't think he's going to come at him. You know, you never know. That's why they fight. I could be wrong, but <laughs> I don't think he's going to come out and... Uh, and turn this into a headbuster with uh, Willis. You know, I, I see him yeah. fighting a smart fight, um, saying that you know I can dictate where this fight takes place, uh, and the pace of the fight with my grappling. Um, and I think he does that, and uh, like I said, grinds out a win. All right, uh, let's put that one down for Blades. Sure thing. Put your money on it. Right. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> Although I gotta say, you know, I, I agree with you on the, like the wrestling. He 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 should come out and kind of uh, capitalize more on his wrestling. Uh, to that would seem to be the smart fight for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's but every time I seem to predict that they uh, come out and stand toe to toe. So um, right, <laughs> yeah. It's just you, you never know. <laughs> yeah. All right, the main event of the evening, Stephen Thompson and Anthony Pettis. Um, I like this fight, even though it kind of doesn't really make sense. Uh, to me, I kind of consider, consider this fight like a minor league super fight. Um, <laughs> you got a flashy striker uh, in Stephen Thompson, who's a welterweight, top five welterweight. Uh, and you got a flashy striker who in Pettis, who's a lightweight, former lightweight champion. And I think they both, you know, kind of said on Twitter, Hey, I'm not doing anything. I'd like to fight you. And, um, (laughs) the fight materialized. Um, I think that this is just a fun fight for the fans. Um, a little curious to me. I mean, wonder boy really doesn't have anything to gain from this. If he wins, you know, he just, he, he beats a lightweight, um, in, in Pettis who, uh, has kind of been on a slide since losing his lightweight title to, uh, Rafael dos Anjos. Um, and, uh, you know, if Pettis wins, I think he gets, a, you know, his stock bumps a little bit. Um, a lot of people have, you know, even though he lost his last fight to Tony Ferguson, considered him, uh, to be on the upswing. Um, so, you know, if he can beat Wonder Boy, um, you know, he, like I said, his stock might bump a little. Uh, however, I, th- I think Wonder Boy is likely to win a decision in this. Um, I think Wonder Boy has a capability of putting um, Pettis away, but I think, you know, Pettis is an experienced fighter, and even though he's fighting up in weight, 
Um, I, I think he's got enough um, octagon experience where he'll, you know, be able to five, survive five rounds of striking. I don't see him, you know, barring him catching Wonder Boy with a, a shot. I don't really see him uh, winning this fight or winning a decision. And I'm going to pick Wonder Boy in a decision. I think it's going to be really entertaining. Um, likely some moments where guys are almost TKO'd or almost KO'd. Uh, but I think I think Thompson comes out with the uh, victory. Um, and once again, I have to agree with you. I got to, I got to go with Thompson too. Um, I, I just like him because the bigger fighter, um, both seem to uh, have really been having some ups and downs. Uh, they've got some name recognition in the UFC. So yeah, why, why not put them together and see who comes out? Uh, Pettis, um, going, uh, up that much though. Um, I really just got to give the edge to, to Thompson on this. Yeah, and I, you know, I, it's <laughs> it's one of those fights um, with Pettis. I'm not sure how much he cuts to for lightweight. I don't think it's really all that much. Um, mm. You know, he's not like a Darren Tall, let's say, Till, I'm sorry, who, uh, who cuts down, who probably should be fighting at uh, middleweight, but, you know, cuts down mm-hmm. to... I think um, Anthony Pettis is naturally closer to 155, maybe walks around at 170, 175, and cuts down. That's not a huge weight cut. Um, Wonder Boy is a little bit bigger of a fighter, um, at, even at welterweight. Um, and, you know, I, I imagine he, he cuts down from close to around, you know, maybe 190, 195, so both cutting about 20 pounds, but, um, you you know, he is the bigger fighter. Um, but I I guess getting back to my original point, it's, it's maybe one of those where you wonder if Anthony Pettis isn't cutting all that weight, you know, how, how will affect him? Will, will he be fresher? Will he be faster? Um, will he move better in there? So it'll be interesting to see. And like I said, these, these are two of the flashier and more entertaining strikers in the UFC. So, I mean, even though the fight might not make complete sense when you really look into it, it, it does make sense. And it's, you know, a fan friendly fight. Yeah, I agree. You took my word uh, flashier, uh, both, uh, both these guys being flashy fighters, it should be a show. So uh, this would be a fun one to see, I think. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is our picks for UFC fight night. One forty eight. So the only other question we have is, have you filled out your NCAA bracket? I have not. Oh, oh, oh. oh you know what? You know what? I have. I had, uh, I filled out a uh, Yahoo. I have um, Duke winning it all. I don't recall who I have Duke playing. <laughs> Just, uh-huh. I have, I've gotten, to be honest with you, I've gotten um, so bad. I, I never really paid that close of attention to um, college basketball. However, I used to do a little more of my due diligence when, you know, researching and, you know, trying to pick upsets and everything. Now I just click. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I tend to go more often than not with the higher seeds. If I'm picking an upset, it's, uh, you know, maybe, what is it, eight versus nine or whatever. Mm-hmm. I might pick. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, but who, yeah. you have winning at all. I, I went with Duke. Uh, you can never go wrong picking Duke. They might not win it, but it's never a stupid pick, right? Um, right. So I had to go with Duke this 
time I have them play in Virginia in the final uh, the, the, with Duke coming out on top. I've got my, my bold pick is that uh, Florida State is, uh, no, no, Baylor is going to beat Gonzaga. Mm. Uh, Gonzaga being the number one uh, seed there. I think they're going to bow out early against uh, number nine. I think I have uh, Baylor. So that's my bold, bold pick is them going out uh, early. And my other, uh, one of my other bold picks is uh, New Mexico State to uh, their number 12 seed. They're going to beat, I forget who it is, the fifth seed uh, in the first round. So we'll see if those, those are a couple of my upset predictions. There you go. Yeah, I, I just I just checked. Um, I have Duke in Kentucky. The Duke beating Kentucky in the final. I have um, yeah. I have uh, final four. I have Duke number one, Gonzaga number one, Virginia number one, Kentucky number two. So uh-huh. <laughs> there you All go. Right. Kind of tells. And I, I I have honestly, I guess I gotten um, lazier with my bracket picking, but um, I tend to look at it in more times than not. Uh, when you look at the final four, it's number one and number two teams. Yeah. So yeah. I think if you can stick with, you know, getting down to round eight, you might have, um, like I have Cincy making it to the elite eight. Um, that's my, um, mm. and then uh, Texas tech, who's number three seed. So next lowest, and then everything, anyone else, everyone else is ones and twos. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's my, that's my quick, uh, quick and dirty uh, rules mm-hmm. of lazy bracket picking. Yep. Yeah. Me too. I, I've got the, I've got three number one seeds getting to the final four, uh, with the exception being Gonzaga's is uh, bowing out early as my pick. So we'll we'll see how that. I was, you know, that the whole point of uh, the uh, NCAA basketball tournament is to uh, watch the upsets, right? Right. Right. It's definitely, you know, I'll tell you, they, they do have it down. There's just a, you know, there's a few things in sports that, um, that are set up perfectly and March madness is one of them, the way that they do it. There's, you know, I, I know that they talk every year. Um, at least there's talk. They don't, you know, really change it, but you have the, you know, the bubble teams that are playing to get in, um, I, you know, I think there's maybe one or two like playing games now mm-hmm. or something, but I mean, really that the way that they have it set up is, is pretty close to perfection. And I don't think you mess with that. No, I, lo- I love it. No, that's the, one of the, my favorite sporting events of the year is the, I, I don't watch the, uh, any college basketball throughout the year until March comes. And then, uh, then I watch the tournament. So, mm-hmm. All right, well, that's it for this edition of Fight Stripe. Thanks for listening, and I'm Jason. I'm Kevin. And have a good one. <laughs>